Hi, everyone. This is Joe Waters, and I want to welcome you to another episode of Cause Talk Radio. And I have my wonderful co-host with me today, just back from the, the great woods on a big camping trip, <laughs> Megan Strand. Hey, Megan. Hey, Joe. I was camping. It was excellent. A little bit of rain. Yeah. We got around it, but Did you it get was a all signal? Good. Did you get a signal? I mean, could you use your phone and no. stuff like that? No, that's no, the that's point. Not, yeah. That's the point. No, see, that's not camping. You know, that's <laughs> not. <laughs> camping is looking at your iPad around a campfire. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, well, I'm glad, I'm glad you came back safely. Thank you. Because I, I don't think I could have done the show today without you. We have such a fabulous guest. We do. I'm excited. Yeah. On the other line is uh, Nick Covey. And he is vice president of corporate social responsibility for Nielsen. Hey, Nick, how you doing? Doing well, thanks. Uh, it sounds like the the iPad around the campfire. That sounds a little bit more like glamping, Joe. Yeah, that's right. Seriously. That's right. Yeah. But you know, in my house, in my house, uh, Nick, we have a fully functional fireplace, but we look at the fire. Uh, on the TV screen, you know what it's I mean. Just for that <laughs> yeah. It's just for you, you know what it is, Nick. It's just so much cleaner. There's no soot, no smoke, or anything like that. And I would argue, just as romantic. Yeah, uh, and arguably <laughs> more environmentally friendly, also. That's know, right. Like, exactly. Uh, exactly, yeah. Nick. Yep, Nick. I can tell you and I are cut from the same cloth. <laughs> hey, Nick. So um, Nielsen has a uh, a new study out. Uh, called Consumers Who Care. And uh, Megan and I have been looking for it, looking through it. It's got some great information, but why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, I appreciate your interest. And, yeah. uh, uh, and, and thanks for having me on, guys. I really appreciate this. Is, this is fun. So the, the paper is an update to a report Nielsen put out about a year and a half ago. I, I suspect most of your listeners are, are familiar with Nielsen and what we do, but we're a, a big uh, information and, and insights company operating in about 100 different countries, me- mostly measuring what consumers watch and what consumers buy. And the U.S. people really know us for our TV ratings, but we really study all sorts of consumer habits. And increasingly, for for the benefit of our clients, who mm-hmm. are big consumer packaged goods manufacturers and yep. media companies around the world and advertising agencies, we are having to and wanting to answer questions about consumer perceptions of corporate social responsibility. And so about a year and a half ago, we put out a a report uh, on the global socially conscious consumer. And the paper that we just put out uh, just a few weeks ago, Consumers Who Care, which you reference, is really an update to that report in some way. We wanted Mm -hmm. to understand to what extent is the trend of social consciousness amongst consumers around the world changing, uh, either increasing or decreasing. So the findings come from uh, an online survey conducted in 58 countries. We reached Mm -hmm. 29,000 consumers. And we fielded the study in March. And mm-hmm. uh, it's important to note that, that everything we talk about here reflects those online consumers because obviously mm-hmm. – and we talk about this a little bit more in, in the paper – that represents certain types of populations country by country. But if you want to think about it as an apples-to-apples comparison, it's, it's really comparing the connected consumer across 58 mm-hmm. different countries and, mm-hmm. and their perceptions. Yeah, and you know, and you go everywhere with this study. I mean, looking at the list of countries that were involved in it, from Estonia to Croatia and Russia and Denmark and Malaysia and all these different places, even Egypt. Yeah, even even with all Egypt, the headaches right? over there, people are still yeah. picking up. You know, still online. They they're still online and they're still responding to surveys. You know, there, there's <laughs> been uh, there's been a lot of great research done um, by other companies, but and and universities in recent years about consumer perceptions and social responsibility. I hope what we're adding that's that's new and unique is is the global breadth and, and mm-hmm. uh, really that key takeaway that we, we get from the findings that in fact 
it really is a, a trend among consumers all around the world uh, that they're expecting a lot from brands, that they're expecting yeah. brands to have some sort of programs to give back to society. Mm-hmm. You you ask your survey respondents whether they would be willing to pay more for goods and services that give back to society, and it sounds like half of respondents this year said they would. Why do you use that particular question? I, I'm, I'm glad you asked that, Megan, because I, I think one of the fair questions I, I get right away from people is, "What do you, do you really think consumers will pay more, or mm. or do you think uh, do you think you know is Nielsen advocating that consumers should pay more for?" products and services from social responsible companies, um, but but the answer is, is no, we don't feel that way. What we feel, to your, to your question, is that asking this, uh, would you be willing to pay more for products and services from companies that have implemented programs to give back to society, sort of a mouthful, we, we feel that that's a proxy. Mm-hmm. You know, if you just ask consumers, as we did in our first go about a year and a half ago, do you believe companies should implement programs to give back to society? Oh, mom and apple pie, right? Everybody mm-hmm. says yes. Everybody thinks every company should do great things for the world. And, and that's good. I suppose we should be happy that's the case. Yep. But what we found last time we did the survey and also this time is if you ask that additional layer, would you pay more? It, mm-hmm. it really uh, asks that consumer to get inside their own head and, and say, um, how much do I really care about this? And mm-hmm. and, uh, and it is about uh, half, 50% of consumers this year who said, yes, they'd be willing to pay more. We refer to this as the socially conscious consumer market. Um, and that is up from a couple of years ago when, when just 45% of consumers told us they would be willing to do so. And, and 45 to 50% in a global survey with such a, a substantial sample size mm-hmm. is, is really pretty impressive. And it's something I'm personally excited about as a, as a social responsibility professional, as someone who cares about this. But I think uh, our clients are excited as well to see that, that this is resonating, that in fact this, um, this interest, this appetite amongst consumers is growing. Mm. Nick, you know, I always wonder too, and and you may know this because you're you're in the field. Have you ever actually seen a study that gave consumers the choice between a regular product and a more expensive product that they could they could buy and actually pay that higher amount to see whether they would really follow through with what they said? That's that's a great question. You know, we we have done some similar studies for our clients. Um, mm. Not not testing as much the pay more, but just the different right. behaviors when we when we see people, um, you know, when we give them the exposure to the fact that that brand was was doing some sort of social good. Let me reference a couple studies uh, as much as I can, and, and mm-hmm. of course, we, a lot of this work is proprietary for our clients. But the um, one study I, w- I want to make sure to share is a, a study we did for a, a large consumer packaged goods manufacturer that was doing some work around hunger. Mm-hmm. And what we did for them was we analyzed every piece of marketing and advertising where they referenced that that hunger campaign. Yep. And we we tracked their per, the purchase behaviors of households and, mm-hmm. and those that's in our household panel. So we've got about 100,000 households in the U.S. who scan every grocery item they bring into our household. That's how we keep track of what people buy wow. in the U.S. And we also, for those households, have a pretty good sense of the media that they were exposed to. Mm-hmm. And what we found is that those, those households that were exposed to that positive messaging about this hunger campaign did, in fact, over the course of the campaign, purchase more goods from that company. Something <laughs> that uh, I, I find to be very compelling. Yeah, because, you, know, because that, you know what it is, too. Everyone always uh, says that, that people will be willing to pay more. But when they actually have the choice, you know what I mean? When we actually put them kind of in the supermarket or in the store, you know, do they really follow through? And that's that's interesting evidence. Yeah. Would yeah. Would they would they actually do this? We, you know, we, yeah. we obviously we know that um, 
there are all sorts of attributes that are running through a consumer's mind when they are at that uh, that uh, that point of decision making in the aisle. And uh, I don't claim, nor, nor does anyone at Nielsen, that, uh, nor I think anyone in the cost marketing space, that a cause is going to be that one thing that, that drives right. that. But it, it's part of the decision process. It is. Yeah. And, and, and you know, go ahead. No, but you're so right, though, too, Nick, in the sense like, you know, cause is important, but I don't think we can overstate the case, too, because there are so many other things that consumers are considering when they purchase a product. Exactly right. And, and I, I think what we're also seeing is, amongst our clients is uh, more and more thinking about, let me not think about cause marketing just as a logo that I'm slapping on my packaging, but as a larger part of my brand identity. Obviously, that gets a little bit harder to track. It's a little harder to track um, brand marketing and, and, and how, how well your brand is resonating with consumers and the way that is affecting purchase mm. behavior versus the very tactical things of how big is your box? Did it have a Susan G. Komen logo on it? Things like that. You know, did, did you say that your box is 50% less packaging? Things like that, which which are examples of things that we track for our clients. You know, Nick, one of the things Mick, uh, Megan always does, because Megan always tells me that she, whenever someone asks her at the register to donate a dollar, she always gives. But then I, when I was talking to her husband, Ted, about this, <laughs> she never does. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's, yeah, she never gives. She never gives, and she actually yells at the person. <laughs> she sounds very uncaring. So I, I'm not. Like, I'm not a really Nielsen. I'm not a Nielsen yeah. family, so I don't have to watch what I do quite as much. But <laughs> yeah. you know, and that that raises another point between this male and female piece. Uh, and I want to go back to the to the research that you're doing. You know, that's that's a little bit more proprietary in a minute, but. In your study, one of the things that I found surprising was that males were saying they were more likely to make these purchases. To what do you attribute that sort of different dynamic than what we're accustomed to seeing? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. You know, the, the difference, you know, 45% of the males in our global panel said uh, said yes, they would, 41% of females. So the difference is not great, but it is statistically mm -hmm. significant. And, and my hypothesis on this is that it has a little bit to do with um, – you know, the the optimism of the male who may not be the primary shopper of the household who says, yes, of course I'd do that, with the uh, practical, um, pragmatic worldview of the, the woman who we know tends to be the primary shopper in many households around the world and uh, might actually be the one who faces these decisions day to day. I, I think that might be, uh, in effect, just a little bit where, um, you know, for this few percentage points at least, that, that there are, are women out there who are saying, yeah, but when – when I really get to that cash register, as Megan does, you know, I, I'm not actually going to make that decision, so I'm going to be honest here, versus mm. the, the man who may have fewer of those opportunities, fewer, fewer of those moments of truth to prove to himself that he, he really does act this way. <laughs> but, uh, but it, it, you know, the difference is not great, but it, it is interesting. I, I agree. And uh, <clears throat> the other demographic change that, that I think really bears mentioning is this shift among older consumers. When we did the study a year and a half ago, we really saw that it was uh, a lot of younger consumers who said, yes, I'd be willing to spend more, and older consumers less so. And what we've seen this year in, in just a year and a half, so again, the, you know, the speed with which this is changing is re really interesting. But in just a year and a half, we've seen the biggest increases in willingness to be among those middle-aged consumers around the world um, mm. who are catching up to their younger peers and saying, yes, this is important to me as well. I, I think this is encouraging because I – uh, cause marketing is often perceived as something that is only important to millennials, but it's, it's really my understanding from all the research I've seen and, and engaged with that, uh, that in fact, social consciousness is, is really cross-generational. So do you think that is, um, do you think that is younger 
baby boomers who are maybe giving more, like coming to that point in their lives where, you know, because people have talked a lot about how like baby boomers are, you know, it's a huge, they're unloading their wealth basically at this point, you know what I mean? In terms of their age and stuff like that. And, you know, at the, at the younger baby boomer age, you really have, you know, that cross between baby boomers and Gen X, people who are probably a little bit older than I am, you know, probably in their 50s or something like that. I mean, do you see that as a as a catalyst for giving? Yeah, I, 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 that's an interesting point. You know, we've, we've not tested that, but this, this relationship between one's own philanthropic behavior day to day and how that affects their perceptions of cause marketing, I, I think you might be on to something. It, it is logical enough to me that uh, somebody who is um, at a point in their life where they're starting to be more engaged in causes will also be expecting brands to be more engaged with causes. Mm. That seems very sensible. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm curious, going back to your some of your con- your client research, where how are, how much are you seeing them focusing more on cause or taking cause more seriously in in research? I mean, can you talk a little bit about the trends that you're seeing because you have a different lens than Joe and I. You know, we're used to our own little bubble here, but you are dealing with brands on a much larger, more comprehensive level. Can you talk to that? Sure. It, it, we, we're seeing something pretty interesting in that space. So we um, we work with, as I've mentioned, a lot of most of the biggest consumer packaged goods manufacturers. And, and let's talk just about them for a second, not the media companies with which we, we work. But those manufacturers come to us for, for all variety of research questions when they're innovating a product, when they're choosing their marketing channels, when they just want to see how much of it sold in this country or that. And, and yes, as I stated kind of at the early part of our conversation, they are asking us a little bit more about um, you know, how causes are relating to their customers and, and which causes they might want to be engaged with, but, but not as much as, um, as we might expect. You know, when you talk to the nonprofit space, the CSR professional, you're re- really quick to hear this idea of doing well by doing good and let's, let's measure the ROI and let's, let's show that cause marketing is working. I think when, uh, when, when things really come together, we find that brands are doing this for a whole variety of reasons. By this, I mean cause marketing. And that the interest in investing to research and validate that is not as great as it is for traditional forms of marketing. You know, they're, they're not going to do a TV campaign without evaluating whether that campaign worked, likewise for outdoor or radio. There are still a lot of cause marketing campaigns. I would say most cause marketing campaigns that are done without a, a sort of post-campaign analysis of how effectively it helped to move product. And I don't know whether that's a good or a bad thing. I think it's very encouraging that there are chief marketing officers and CEOs out there that just feel this is the right thing to do. Right. But when I talk to nonprofits, what, what makes me nervous or excited, I, I'm not sure which one, when I talk to nonprofits, they say, Nick, you know, I, I really wish more of your clients would ask you to evaluate this. Because mm-hmm. as you both know, if there were more evaluation, if there were more figuring out whether this actually helped to sell more product, the relationships that brands are building with nonprofits might ultimately be more sustainable. It might Absolutely. not be subject yeah. to, the, to the whim of the chief marketing officer or the CEO, but yeah. it'll be really clearly part of that marketing mix. Yeah. No, I agree. And, and you know, that's the biggest thing, I think. And, you know, I mean, especially, too, uh, Nick, I really focus on, you know, small and medium-sized nonprofits and, uh, and companies for cause marketing campaigns. So, you know, they're regional entities that may not have the resources of some of these big companies to, to measure. But there are things that we can learn from every campaign, even if it's just collecting anecdotal evidence from the campaign uh, that we can learn from um, in some way. And But it's so true. It's like what's what gets measured gets managed. 
That is absolutely right, and, and I'm not advocating that anyone needs to go out and conduct a big, expensive research project. You could you could really conduct your own research to figure out, okay, when we engage with that cause, did the people we we met, uh, did the people who we we saw in the stores, did they seem to have some recollection that we were engaged in that cause? And I I, I think it's part of a a broader trend to see, <clears throat> excuse me, to see cause marketing with a, a bit of a a nervous eye. You know, I, I, I'm not sure whether you guys are seeing the same thing, but I, I, I sense that there are people who are starting to drift away from cause marketing and feel like, you know, that's not contemporary enough. That's not avant-garde enough. I'm going to focus on shared value opportunities and other mm. things that, that, by the way, I, I think are also great. But somehow, for some audiences, I think cause marketing has become a, a four-letter word. And, mm-hmm. and, and the idea of researching it, I think, for a lot of brands and, and even smaller companies, it, it's sort of... Um, it feels like they, it would rub people the wrong way, that they would mm. they would look disingenuous about why they were doing it. But I, if they focus on the fact that, as you say, what gets measured gets managed, if they focus on what, what they're measuring is, is what they're going to be able to sustain and do in the future, and if mm-hmm. they listen to their nonprofit partners who are asking them to evaluate the ROI, whatever that may be, maybe it's not selling more product, maybe it's it's just more brand equity, I, you know, I think more and more companies would find even affordable ways to research it themselves and see, you know, did that campaign matter? Yeah. No, I, I think you I think you raise a really interesting point about this whole shared value conversation. And you obviously are privileged to talk with these clients on a one-on-one basis and hear or even observe what they're doing as, as far as research. Are they doing any research as, in terms of shared value or is is it just something like potentially like cause marketing that is the nice thing to do, the thing we should be doing, the more avant-garde way to approach these issues and it's just the way of the world, the way of business and we shouldn't be measuring that? Yeah, I think what's interesting is that we see more business around. Uh, we have a, a business that does new product innovation and helps helps companies think about uh, how much, if I tweak this type of soda this much, how much will it sell? Mm-hmm. And, and we're doing, outside of the U.S. especially, a lot more innovation work with big brands to figure out um, types of social innovations or products that they could launch that would have this idea of shared value that would be good mm-hmm. for the community, good for the market, and healthy and, and things like that. We're, we do more of that work right now than we do evaluating cause marketing campaigns. And I, I think that is a, a signal on the emphasis that's being placed on concepts of shared value versus versus cause marketing. And mm-hmm. um, But I, I, I think the tide is shifting a little bit in that, you know, as as we get more clever, and by we I mean just the community of CSR professionals and, and nonprofits about evaluating our campaigns, I, I see more of them asking us to, to fit this in and think about, you know, if, hey, Nielsen, if you're going to tell us how our TV campaign worked out, can you also tell us how this hunger campaign worked out? That mm-hmm. is in the application yeah. case. Yeah. Yeah, and that is definitely the wave of the future, that's for sure. Companies yeah, we, asking more you know, questions like that. We hope so. You know, I, like I said, I, I think it ultimately leads to more sustainable cause marketing. When you're when you're talking about those product innovations around this, these concepts of shared value, are those are they testing those in the U.S.? I, I feel like I see a lot of those that are happening internationally for some of these global brands. Yeah, it, it is more international. We're we're talking about you know different packaging sizes that are appropriate for for different markets, or we're talking about testing different types of ingredients that might be more sustainable and. Uh, you know, those types of product innovations that that our clients would rightly say, you know, this is part of our efforts to be a good company and to make the world a better place. <clears throat> but um, 
probably less so in the U.S. than in the developing markets in which we do work. Mm. One last question, Nick. So as you look forward into this socially focused research, will you do the same study again in a couple of years, or do you think it's going to look different the next time you, you do something in this in this vein? Yeah, I appreciate you asking. I think we we have a, we have a responsibility when we start asking these types of simple measures to to do our best to update them from time to time. And so this this simple question of would you spend more as a proxy for social consciousness, it's my hope and intention that we would ask that again in a couple of years and be able to show how it's changing around the world. But what I what I really aspire for us to do more, and I I, I know we will, along with other research companies and and uh, other academics out in the space, is is try to uh, use some of our more advanced research methodology. So move beyond this kind of online survey to using, <clears throat> for instance, some of the neurological research that Nielsen does. So we do a fair amount of research with our clients where we, we actually bring research subjects into uh, a lab and we have them watch various forms of advertising or experience different products. And we use the, um, the signals from their brain, and, and I'm speaking way out of my expertise, but, but we, use, <laughs> we use neurological research to figure out, did they actually enjoy this? Did they, did, did, how did that experience uh, really create pleasure for them? One of the things we, we can do now is hook individuals up to these testing devices and have them move throughout a store and get a sense mm-hmm. for, okay, how are they reacting when they, when they actually see that cause marketing cam, you know, ad? Right. Or, or how are they reacting? One of the things we've looked at is how do they react when they're asked to donate a dollar at the register? If it's Megan, we know that she really wants to do it, but her <laughs> husband's going to tell us that she doesn't. Right. So, so I, I think uh, between that type of research and between our ability to actually track what is sold in stores in, in 100 countries in the next couple of years, uh, I, I'm really committed to seeing us do a better job of of showing a real positive ROI where it exists in cause marketing and shared value types of opportunities, and then where it's not working, uh, just as just as honestly point that out so that we can all uh, do a better job figuring out how to make this work for for all the parties involved. Nick, I just want to say right now that anytime you need a, a brain to look at, to study, and to analyze, Megan is available. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, oh, that's fascinating. Totally. That's, I mean, that's nice of you to offer her up. And that, that is how our, our research permission slips work. Anyone can volunteer <laughs> someone else for the research. So I'm, I'm glad you've done that. Uh, Megan, will be in touch. That's yeah. fascinating. Well, I, that's that's actually fascinating. I'm really interested actually, to see really that. Scary. It is scary, but it is it is fascinating. So, you know, the it's, new they, they, you know, families you know, of the future. Do, let me be clear. They, they, they do it with, with uh, our permission, with their permission, with our permission. They do it with, you know, they, they, they certainly are... Um, they understand what they're getting themselves into, and uh, they're incentivized as any Nielsen research panelist is. And 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 frankly, you know, it, it takes less time, less of their time than responding yeah. to a survey. You know, we've we yeah. found that neurological research um, can can really be a, a very efficient and very accurate way to collect this type of information. So don't don't let it scare you too much. Yeah, I that's think awesome. that's exciting. Yeah. We if I can get a referral fee, I mean, I'm all over it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah. yeah. Well, we definitely look forward to hearing more about that type of research, Nick. If people want to hear more about Nielsen or your CSR initiatives, how would they do that? Yeah, the best way is, is Nielsen.com. It's N-I-E-L-S-E-N.com. And I think for at least a couple of weeks still, you'll see the Consumers Who Care report featured there, and uh, it's downloadable for free there. And uh, I hope people will enjoy it. And, and I hope people will read it and think of other questions that they wish we had asked and make sure to get in touch with us. 
uh, to let us know uh, what they'd like to see us study in the future. Excellent. Thank you. And Joe, where can people find more about you if they so choose? If they can't get enough from this podcast. If they can't get enough. If they, yep, if they can't get enough of this, you can go to my blog, SelfishGiving.com. You can visit me on Twitter, at Joe Waters. And of course, I maintain many, many, many Pinterest boards and many more pins than Cause Marketing Forum <laughs> on Cause Marketing. Uh, so you should definitely visit me on Pinterest at Pinterest.com, front slash Joe Waters. Uh, what about you, Megan? Where can we find you besides Pinterest? <laughs> I'm also on Twitter at Megan Strand, and I tweet for the Cause Marketing Forum at TweetCMF, and also blog for the Cause Marketing Forum at CauseUpdate.com. And you can find Cause Talk Radio on Stitcher Smart Radio as well as iTunes. We do recommend you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. And on behalf of Nick and Joe and myself, we'd like to thank you for joining us today for this episode of Cause Talk Radio. We'll see you next time. Thank you.